Hello and welcome to The Presale Pulse, a real estate show dedicated and committed to helping you understand everything happening in real estate across Metro Vancouver and the Fraser Valley. Now, I'm Ryan Lalonde and I am joined today by the JLo of real estate, one of the most talked about people in the industry right now, Emily Canada's very own marketing expert, uh, Susanna Gonzalez. Without the multiple marriages, just, the multiple. just to clarify. And some other stuff. I mean, otherwise we're pretty identical. <laughs> <laughs> So we've just wrapped up Thanksgiving weekend. Spirits are really high as we move into the fall. Uh, we're beginning to brace for the upcoming fall and the, and the holiday season that just feels right around the corner. Uh, a handful of huge successes in the pre-sale program marketplace. We also have some really big resale announcements. Now what's also been made so clear is that the shifts that we're seeing today in the marketplace, these are gonna have a huge impact in predicting what the early parts of spring 2022 are looking like. So stick around. We have a ton of great things to talk about. We also have some incredible opportunities that if you're preparing to launch a pre-sale product in the marketplace over the next three to four months, there's some really big things ahead in this episode. If you're new to the channel, we're happy to have you and let you know that the pre-sale pulse is all about recapping both the pre-sale and the resale marketplace over the past 30 days. We wanna to touch on everything that's trending in our industry and we're gonna ensure that all of our subscribers are feeling like they have their fingers on the pulse and becoming real estate intelligent. In today's episode, we're gonna talk about some of the biggest headlines out there. Canada's job market surges back to pre-pandemic levels, new projects redefining the markets, and how our market is managing elevated sales even in this low inventory environment. I think where we have to first start though, is that today we are filming out of Amicon's The Block Sales Gallery. It's an incredible space. We launched this program about 60 days ago. It's been a tremendous success to date. And if you haven't already had a chance to do so, make sure that you check out some of the links below. You're gonna see a downtown spotlight hosted by myself and Cameron McNeil. You're also going to, to see in one of the links the Vancouver Real Estate Podcast and some of the great discussion that we had around the marketplace of next year and what downtown looks like both today and what we're predicting for the future. And if you're looking for market data or information on a specific marketplace or recommendations on product design, our internal MLA advisory team is active in all major markets across Canada. So reach out to us using the links below and we're happy to help out. So let's jump into it. As always, we're gonna start at 50,000 feet and we're gonna see what's going on in the macro economy. Just over 12,000 jobs were added in British Columbia in September, dropping unemployment to 5.9%. Now, as we know, BC is now recognized as one of the sole provinces that's seen jobs increases well above pre-pandemic levels. National data shows that Canada's added about 157,000 jobs in the month of September. Overall, this means that as a country, we have fully recouped the 3 million jobs lost at the outset of the pandemic. It's a huge accomplishment. So with that in mind, analysts are now saying that the Bank of Canada is likely to reduce its quantitative easing program, that's hovered around $2 billion a week, down to about $1 billion a week, and it's expected to kind of make this announcement uh, in the next few weeks, most likely uh, as part of its next rate decision on October 27th. Quantitative easing would then be uh, in a reinvestment phase where new bonds are going to replace those that mature, basically ending the new stimulus that's entering into the economy. As of filming too, the Canadian dollar is trading at an all-time high, uh, 80 cents to the USD, reaching a two-month high after the news of Canada's overall job market and the performance there. And finally, the federal election is coming gone. A ton of change was promised, and I don't know that we saw any major shifts in parties in overall standings. Stick around for our Q&A though. Uh, in this section, we're gonna go through an in-depth analyzing the policies promised by the Liberal Party. That's it for macro. Next up is the Metro Vancouver Presale Pulse. Uh, be certain to check out the Fraser Valley edition of the Presale Pulse as well. That's a full market rundown of everything that's happening out in the Fraser Valley. Okay, let's dive into the pre-sale numbers. Like in August, September saw 12 pre-sale projects launch, releasing just over 1,600 units to market, which is a big month of inventory. A little less than we forecasted, but 
still a big month. Overall demand for pre-sales remains strong and consistent with same month sales absorption hitting about 43%. Now just to highlight the incredible amount of activity we're seeing, I think it's important to look at the numbers from last year and see how they compare. In September 2020, we saw approximately 580 units come to market with same month sales of 36%. 580 is what I just said. So we saw nearly three times more inventory launch and be absorbed this past month over September of 2020. So looking ahead at the month of October, we're expecting 16 projects to launch, adding just over 2,800 units into the market, of which over 80% of them are concrete. This would make October one of the most active months in terms of launch product this year, um, and for uh, quite a while in the last few years. Several major projects have already come to market this month, Myriad, Slate, and the Towers North Building in Langley. We do expect more concrete coming in November as well, but we'll talk about that next month. So let's talk about a few of the special projects, and let's start by 1515 by Kingswood Properties and Boza Properties. This is their latest project. Uh, Kingswood, you will remember, is the developer behind Redbridge and Squamish, which sold over 300 homes in that market this spring. 1515 is another high-end offering by Kingswood located in Coal Harbor, and this project is looking to redefine values in the downtown area. It'll be interesting to see how it absorbs into the market as we haven't seen a downtown project in this price range launch in several years. Now, the project includes a 29th floor double-height sky lounge that will act as an amenity space for the building, and it has a lot of high-end details in the home. Overall, 1515 is estimated to be targeting $2,600 to $2,700 price per square foot and will begin writing deals basically now. So far, predominant interest has been in their two and three bedroom homes. There are a few projects in downtown Vancouver, such as the Thurlow and Harwood, that are also awaiting to see how 1515 does, because if the right conditions uh, exist, I think we'll definitely see some additional downtown product come to market. I think you're absolutely right. If we see pace uh, of absorption through that program, I think that you can expect a number of other concrete offerings to really make the move forward. Now, if you recall from last month, we talked about the strong absorptions North Harbor's first phase drift had after launching in August. The project is blending an average of approximately 1,315 per square foot. It's now about 95% sold out as well. So a very big success. Holding on to that momentum, Concert is closing down its presentation center and now actively preparing for the launch of North Harbor's second phase air. Airs, including two towers, uh, will be spec'd a little bit higher than drift. And this is gonna be reflected in the overall pricing. We're estimating a price per square foot of something around $1,500 per square foot, but we'll be paying very close attention to see how that increases. Yeah, almost 200 bucks a square foot more than the first phase, which Shoot. is why I told you to buy it. That's right, you did. You were very clear on that. Let's touch on Lena by Everbright Properties. This is next to Queen Elizabeth Park. Lena by Everbright Properties launched within the Canby Corridor in early October. The project offers efficient floor plans and is targeting approximately $1,450 a square foot. Given the project's location and overall price point, we expect it to be fairly competitive within the corridor submarket. Now, since launching, the project has sold approximately 20 of its 80 units, obviously to about 25%. It's interesting seeing the difference in pricing of units facing the Canby Street uh, versus the park area. In Lena's case, there's about $100 to $125 per square foot premium on homes that specifically look away from the street and into the park. Now, we want to bring the attention back to the island. And as many of you already know, much of the urban growth occurring around Greater Victoria has really centered around the city of Langford. Most recently, Belmont Residences, this has launched the final phase of the master plan community called Belmont Reunion. It's targeted at first-time homebuyers and investors, targeting approximately $600 to $615 per square foot. Product in Langford, and especially the Belmont, is really all about providing housing for that missing middle. So unsurprisingly, Belmont Reunion has sold extremely well. The project has now sold about 75% of its 80 units. We expect the remaining 25% to be absorbed very quickly. And since we're talking about submarkets, let's just quickly touch on Kelowna. It's had one of the most impressive summers of any secondary market in 2021 with several large projects achieving significant absorptions within their first few weeks of sales and 
it's clear that demand uh, is continues to be quite strong. After a Vancouver pop-up preview in late August and a Kelowna preview in early September, we're pleased to share that Caban by Cressy is fully sold out. We had every apartment residence under contract within the first week and then subsequently released our townhomes to similar effect. This project has been 15 years in the making, but really happy to see this very special project be released and so well, so well received and it's going to be a great addition to that neighborhood. I think what also is as interesting about that program is just the reach um, of how many out-of-market transactions occurred and how many of them were dri driven both through our relationships uh, internationally, but then also locally in the, in the local Vancouver marketplace. Now projects such as residences at Lakeview Village and Water Street by the park have subsequently expedited their future releases to capitalize on the incredible demand in the market and have too seen overwhelming interest. So it'll be interesting to see if we continue to see the success through the sort of winter months, which is not traditionally when Kelowna tends to, to sell the most homes, uh, but we're going to be watching closely. Now let's take a closer look at the resale numbers in Greater Vancouver. Steady as she goes is the name of the game in the market right now. Just over 3,000 resales in September, effectively unchanged from August. Sales are still well above the 10-year average, over 20% higher uh, this past month. It should be noted that while sales are down just over 19% compared to September of last year, a lot of this decline is from the single detached homes and the townhome market. Both townhomes and single-family homes were especially active last year when there was a flight for space created by the onset of the pandemic. Condo sales remain elevated, increasing about a percent from 2020. This contrasts with townhomes and single-family, which saw a year-over-year -year decline of over 20% in sales, but also a lack of inventory to supply uh, of those product types. So with prices up around 20% year-over-year in single-family and townhomes, with those markets being so active, it's not a surprise then that the condo product is now leading the way with affordability and inventory, which should continue for the rest of the year, um, and sort of explains those numbers. Which is very much in line with some of the recommendations that we started making about eight months. We'd see surges in townhouse and surges in single-family, and our expectation would be that at, at some point those would cool and we'd really see uh, the apartment offerings really become uh, very active. So the composite benchmark price in September was 1.186 million. That's an increase of about 13.8% from September of 2020 and 0.8% increase from August of 2021. Prices remain stable even with a decrease in overall sales. Now we're believing that this has less to do with the wandering demand and more to do with the lack of supply in a busy back to school September. Our expectation is that those markets are going to continue to see price escalation over the next two to three months. What we're in is a nice, sustainable, um, stable market. And so the sales to listing ratio remains relatively unchanged from August. We're seeing an overall sales to listing ratio of 34% and each product type essentially the same as last month. Overall, we remain in a strong seller's market, steady as she goes. So as mentioned in our last episode, we're excited to bring a brand new Q&A segment to the show. These are all the questions that are posed from our viewers um, over the past 30 days and we're going to speak to a few of them today. So Suze, what's one of the questions submitted by our viewers that we're going to address today or start with? Yeah, so I've been given some questions. Now this one came in from a viewer and they wanted to know <laughs> what's Ryan's workout and nutrition routine? That's not a, that's uh, not a real question. Yeah, we're going to be here all day if we do that, so we're just going <laughs> to skip that one. Okay, so this is the real question. How will the results of the election affect the local marketplace? So let's start with just recapping uh, what some of the promises were that the Liberal government made. Increasing Canada's housing supply by building or repairing 1.4 million uh, new homes, double first-time homebuyers tax credit to 10,000, and fund a billion in loans and grants for rent-to-own projects, introduce a homebuyer's bill of rights to criminalize blind bidding and make a home inspection mandatory and ban foreign home ownership for the next two years. And our expectation is, is that the majority of those will have nothing to do with our marketplace and impact on price values. 
Yeah, I think the results of the federal election will have little effect. Uh, the vast majority of the demand we've seen in the past year has come from locals already living in BC. So the restriction on foreign ownership is likely to have uh, little effect. We're supposed to see increased immigration, and so those waiting for their PR status may look to pre-sales as a viable option to buy at today's rate for the future. We'll also see the rental market tighten up probably as well. Similarly, even if the liberal, liberal government expands policies to boost affordability further without an increase to supply, the initial boost in affordability will simply push price, uh, prices up. The blind bidding system uh, has also received a lot of attention, but the reality is, is that blind and open bidding tends to result in similar prices as seen in other product types. I think our government should know that uh, because there's many examples of that in, uh, in, in various international markets. But the belief um, that we hold is that ultimately what this is still gonna come down to is supply. We have a supply problem. Um, and it's just very interesting to me and to Susanna that we're not seeing any focus on how we're pulling those levers. The majority of them have focused around demand. But o overall, we're, we're just somewhat frustrated, I think, um, as, as a nation and probably also as a province because you know, the real focus here needs to be on uh, increasing supply, right? Holding those accountable um, in, in really important roles within municipalities of moving development applications through the pipeline. The faster that we can do this, the more housing supply that we're gonna see coming come online. And ultimately, that's gonna have a huge impact on affordability. So as our viewers know, this show is all about providing real estate intelligence and helping you keep a finger on the pulse and staying real estate intelligent in this marketplace. Now, if you found some value in today's episode, hit the like button or the subscribe button to our channel. Um, this is gonna give you instant access to Newswire, our daily roundup of some of the latest real estate news. Subscribers also get access to the pre-sale pulse, market insights, and the latest uh, projects that are breaking ground. So if you wanna skip the lines, make sure that you're hitting those buttons. And of course, the MLA advisory team is always available if you need data or more marketplace information. Contact us by visiting the links below. Uh, and lastly, we wanna hear from you. Follow the links in the show notes to submit your questions or requests to speak about any trends or insights not mentioned in, in today's episode. We enjoy hearing from our peers and wanna ensure that the Presale Pulse is your preeminent source of real estate intelligence. Well, JLo, out. <laughs> <laughs> well, Suze, uh, I believe that's a wrap. See you next time.